It's the Pop My Culture Podcast with your hosts, Cole Stratton and Vanessa Ragland. Hello and welcome to the Pop My Culture Podcast. Woo! I am Cole Stratton. And I am Vanessa Ragland. Hey everybody. No punches today. No punches. No. Uh, welcome to the new year. We're going to be gentle playing this year. Are we? <laughs> oh, I doubt that. Uh, this is our uh, our first proper podcast after the Pop My Cork two-parter of 2013. Oh, and thank you guys for weighing in on the blog. You can keep doing that. We haven't picked our winner yet, yep. but it's been so fun to read your top five and bottom five of the year. Sure. If we keep doing that, it's cool that <laughs> keep you it up. weighing in on that. Uh, the guest today is really exciting. Oh, my gosh. I'm a huge fan of this guy. He's amazing. Um, and he agreed to come on the show, and that was fantastic. And you're going to love it. He has so many good stories. I'm this, really this excited for you to listen. A consummate storyteller. It's for real. <laughs> You'll like him. Yeah. We'll introduce him in a few moments. We will. Uh, tiny bit of housekeeping. Tiny bit. <laughs> a tiny, tiny bit of housekeeping. A tiny bit of housekeeping, then. An aluminum bit of housekeeping. We are doing a live show at SF Sketchfest. We're so excited. Yep. It's on uh, Sunday, February 10th at 1 o'clock p.m. One of my Eureka favorite Theater. days. And we have our guest. <gasps> Rachel Dratch. Rachel Dratch from Saturday Night Live. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. many other things. She will be our guest. She's also going to be signing her book after the show. So come on down, say hi to us, meet Rachel, yeah. get your book signed. What's not to like? And it's only 15 bucks. I mean, come on. And she's the best. It's so she's exciting. super great. So go to sfsketchfest.com. There's ticket information there. And uh, hopefully we can see you guys We'd there. We'd love to see you. Yeah, it'd be nice. Uh, if you like the show, uh, leave us a review on iTunes. It's easy and it helps us get featured and it makes us feel good. It sure does. It covers all your bases. And if you want to say hello, email yeah. us. Info at popmyculturepodcast.com. We read them all and we will write you back. So say hi. Uh, guest suggestions are Drop always welcome. And uh, we'll work on some of those. Yeah. And you can also go to our website if you'd like to support us in another way. You could support us financially because <laughs> we are listener support. Supported. So if you go to popmyculturepodcast.com, there is a donate button and every little bitty bit it bitty bit it bit it that helps. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> if you do donate to the podcast, we will give you a shout out on the show. Oh yeah. Um which you know, we're gonna do that right now for a couple people that but give you know us money. what today I'm actually just gonna phone it in. I'm just not in the mood, so I'm I'm just literally gonna phone it in. I'm gonna call uh thank you phone just to kind of cover this for me. Uh, all right. Sure. Thank you, phone. If you know the name of the person you'd like to thank, press one. Please say the person's name after the tone. Lorraine. I've heard Lorraine. If this is correct, press one. Lorraine. Thank you for donating to the Pop My Culture podcast. Lorraine, with running length of 23 years, is rated A-OK in the USA. Oh, okay, okay. Main menu. Oh, shit. Terry. You've selected... Ter- Terry. Loans and acquisitions. Oh, shit. <laughs> if you know the name of the person you'd like to thank, press one. Terry. Terry. Thank you for donating to the Pop My Culture podcast. You're awesome. Ooh, that was a nice touch. Okay. And... Main menu. Oh. You've selected Galapagos Island. No, I haven't. Okay. Main menu. If you know your party's extension, press one. Uh, thank you, note. If you know the, the name of the person you'd like to thank, press one. Jenny. Jenny. 
You've selected Jenny. Yeah. If this is correct, press one. Yes. Jenny, thanks for donating to the Pop My Culture podcast. You're swell in our book. Okay. Okay, that was... Thank you. Thank you, phone. Whew. Sorry, Cole. That's a terrible service. <laughs> I would never use that. It's just really bad. It came in handy today. What can I say? Yeah. Well, thanks for doing that. Yeah. It was heartfelt, right? I, I suppose. So heartfelt. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, let's get to our amazing guest, shall we? Yeah. All right. Here we go. Our guest today, uh, well, I think he's kind of king of the character actors. He's been Ooh, in, hello. like, I know, right? <laughs> My goodness. Uh, he's been in over 200 movies and TV shows. Uh, oh, come on. Things like Groundhog Day and Deadwood and Sneakers. Basically, if you've seen it, you'll be like, oh, gosh and don't yeah. forget the ones i didn't get the part for oh yeah i mean so many of those too like 10 to 1 I, that, there was the one i realized there was one i didn't get which was the one with the bionic dog do we oh. remember what the name of that one was no i wish i did i do too yeah well <laughs> you continue with your introduction I'm i sorry. gotta find this bionic I know, dog I tell movie you, I tell you. <laughs> note to uh, self <laughs> So yeah, Californication also. <laughs> lot, tons of stuff. Yeah. Steven Tobolowski is here. Hi, Steven. We're hey, so to excited to have good you. Good to see you, Vanessa. Yes. Thanks for doing the show. Oh, my pleasure. It's a it's a pleasure. Um, I have been having the pleasure of becoming obsessed with your podcast, Ooh. which people should listen to. You're such a great storyteller. Thank you. So we're thinking today, just go. Go? Okay. <laughs> wow, you're going to change the format. <laughs> I didn't uh, talk cold, but I'm thinking you just go. There we go. There we are, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> what does you, it remind you of? I'll <laughs> tell you. Name name a topic of some sort. Now, I'm not going to go. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to go because I realize you have notes in front of me. But I just want to see. Name a topic of some sort. Peanut butter. Peanut butter. Well, no, I'm just thinking of Cass Elliot choking on peanut butter. That's good. Or was it a ham sandwich? I think it was a ham sandwich. Okay, forget yeah. it. But it, it could have been, been peanut butter. No, I like okay. this reimagined There could have been some peanut butter on the ham sandwich. <laughs> she was weird. No, but Maybe she liked that combo. No, we, we have to be truth. No, I, I... Yeah, we do have to be truthful. I That's try one of to your tell, things. I try to tell stories that are true and that happened to me so we don't end up with the Mishigas with Cass Elliot yeah. and the peanut butter sandwich. And look what's like already just, happened on what's our podcast. Well, our podcast right. is a real shit show. Like just everybody, so there's going to be like Huffington Post is going to pick up like, did Cass Elliot choke on peanut butter? I know, look what we've done. I d- we've done it. This is... Uh, I'll t- here's a story I'll tell you that has to do with that, if we have time for this. This yes. is how I came up with the with the slogan that truth is is Trump's clever every time. I was I had just come back from a New Year's Eve party and I felt there was something weird about my house and I opened the front door and my entire house was ransacked. <gasps> and I don't mean I don't mean kinda robbed. I mean like somebody fully robbed. T- totally, fully. It was an adult. like somebody came in with a golf club and just whacked things around. I mean, like somebody came in and cut open the pillows. <gasps> I mean, somebody came like and you t- had drugs. Like we had drugs. Like they took out the <laughs> the dresser drawers and dumped them all over on what? the floor. I mean, the place was completely ransacked. So I called the police. I called the police. And, Classic uh, first move. And they said they said <laughs> that uh, well, we're busy. <gasps> No. <laughs> yes, we are busy now, but we'll be there sometime probably in the next 48 hours. Well, Whoa. sorry, you know, that's a long time to wait when you've, when you've been around. So the next thing we did is we called our dear friends, uh, Sharon and Thurman, 
Uh, we said, listen, we've just been robbed. Our place has been ransacked. Sharon was on the phone and says, get out of the house now. Get out of the house this second. You don't know. They still could be in the house. So so uh, my girlfriend, Beth, and I, we ran out into the lawn, and Sharon and Thurman came over and met us. And Sharon said, okay, here's the deal. This happened to a friend of Patty who lives in Ventura County. Patty is a dear friend of Sharon whose husband worked with Jim Henson and the Muppets. I'm giving you the genealogy (laughs) of this story. So we're standing in the front yard, and this is what happened to the friend of Patty, that she came home from a party. Their house had been trashed, and their dog was dead (gasps) right at, at the front door. And they walked through, and they called the police, as we had done. They hung up the phone, and the phone rang. And it was their neighbor who said, get out of the house. The guy is still in the oh, house. Oh, my gosh. So they run out of the house and they wait for the police to come. And then the police come through and they go room by room by room by room. And then in the back bedroom, they open up the closet and there is a black man in the Now, this is important. He's in the closet and two of his fingers are missing and he's bleeding. And then they come back and they find that the dog that was dead at the front step had choked to death on the two fingers, trying to defend the house. Now, I am standing in my front yard terrified. Now, just just by coincidence, just by coincidence, I happen to be starting a Broadway show that week. I mean, go figure. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm going to start rehearsals on a Broadway show. So I fly to New York like in a couple of days. That week, and I'm at a party at a dear friend of mine's house, Jim McClure and Margot Martindale. We know Margot Martindale. Justified, Justified. Y'all. Not Did only you that. you meet the man with eight fingers? I'm, uh, no. Wait, no oh, okay. Wait, I'm no, sorry. No, don't I'm get so ahead into of the story. Don't get ahead of it. Here, here's a bit of trivia that won't be on your sheets. I double dated with Margot Martindale when she was 19 <gasps> at Lawn Morris Junior College. My date was a girl named Ann Galvin. I don't know who Margot's date was, but we double dated. <gasps> wow. Yeah, so anyway, that's a little thing. Anyway, so Margot Martindale, I'm at this party with Jim McClure. Margot Martindale says, Stephen, I heard about the robbery with you and Beth. That just sounds terrible. Let me tell you, you are so lucky to have gotten out of that house. Let me tell you what happened to a friend of my neighbor who lives out in, in uh, what is it, Long Island. That's out in New York. That's one of the five boroughs, I believe. Mm-hmm. Out in Long Island, they came home and right at the front door, not only was their place trash, their dog was dead at the front what? door. Yeah, their dog was dead at the front door. And... and the, they get a phone call from a neighbor saying, get out of the house. The criminal is still in the house. And they wait for the police. And they go in room by room. And in the back closet, they find a Puerto Rican with two fingers missing. So I hear this story. And when I hear this story, I realize that we, you, me, Vanessa, Cole, all of us sitting here right now, we are the ones who are responsible for putting a man in the closet. It is like the man we put in the closet is is dependent on us and making these stories believable. Now, I could have not believed it when I heard about the dog dead on the front step to begin with, right? Yeah. But just because of that transatlantic trip, I became a victim, aware of urban myth. And from that point on, in my head, I kind of checked that box like, 
Don't believe anything that happened just because a friend told you something happened with a friend. And this little thing I have in my hand right here, this is for all you people out there on the podcast, I am holding up a Tyrannosaurus. (laughs) 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 I'm holding up an iPad. This is a definite instrument of destruction because so many falsehoods and rumors are, are spread by this thing, which is why in my stories... Like the story I just told. What I told you was absolutely true. Uh, I tried to tell stories that happened to me that are true because they're verifiable. Now, whether they're good stories or not, that's up for you to decide. But at least it's true and it really happened. Oh, my gosh. And it's so much better than just telling the first man in the closet story. Yeah. Because if you just have that one, done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do we really get out of that? What do you really get out of it? Except for we're always going to be afraid. Oh, oh, but I'll tell you an addendum to that story. Oh, okay. Nice. If you want to hear an addendum, a nasty addendum. (gasps) We found out who the criminals were. (gasps) Tick, tock, tick, tock. Wait for it. Who do you think the criminals were? White people. The criminals were the police. Wait a minute. The Hollywood branch of of the the police. They were busted for over an entire series of home invasion robberies. And this is how they did it. Uh, It was a huge scandal back then. Now, this you can look up. Uh, The... it wasn't the Rampart scandal. It wasn't that. It was the Hollywood division. And what they did is, you know how you always have the police car out there in yeah. front of an elementary school? Well, they had all of these different officers that were involved with these home break-ins. But these guys are sitting in fr- the, the police car sitting in front of the elementary school, the high school. They're taking notes as to who oh. who has a job, who doesn't. Well, I'm an actor, it's so like I don't have a job. It's like Home Alone. Right. They, they, <laughs> they know exactly who's been naughty and nice. They know when you're there or when you're not there. Right. And they would just break in when uh, they knew you were going to be gone, and they made it look like it was a drug robbery. Oh, And they my had gosh. been doing this for a couple of years. And if they got caught, they'd be like, we were trying to catch the guy. I, d- I don't how are you going to catch This is an urban legend it, already started. No, it's not an urban legend. Yeah, you could be in there and be like, no, but oh, you know what we I mean? came in, yeah, we responded if, to if a If they got thing. caught on the scene, they would right. just pretend they were looking yes, for the bad guy. There. You got it. Yeah. Now, now that, you're, you're right with that. So, so those, who, those who were the bad guys, and the thing that tipped oh, me off, crazy. I mean, I kind of suspected something was wrong when the policeman did come over. Uh, the next day, and he went through and he asked what was taken. And my girlfriend Beth said, well, there was my grandmother's pearl necklace. Oh. Uh, he, he says, how much is that? And she said, oh, probably $2,500. And he kind of winked and says, we'll put down 5000 And uh, also there was a lock at $100. We'll put down 1500 And the guy is like bogeying up these, oh my these figures. And thinking like, oh, I got it. So then they justified in their head that they're passing the crime on down to the The insurance company and making you, you complicit. You are putting the man in the closet now. You are guilty because you are accepting this false 
They're waving it in front of your face. So, hey, they did it too. Everybody is a criminal. Oh, my gosh. So, so that – and they busted those guys. They busted a whole bunch of them. But this was a long time ago. This was back – I actually had hair at that point in time. You, <laughs> you was could, it stolen you that night? Google, no, it could have been. Now, you could Google that too. I was a different – in fact, I probably have a picture of me. Here, you go on it's and talk. It's your background. It's your wallpaper, you oddly can, enough, on your iPad. As a matter of fact, someone just posted a picture from – from that era on Facebook. So while just talk among yourselves. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my mind is blown right now at that story. That, isn't that just terrible? Oh, we were living in Venice about five years ago, six years ago, and there was some shady stuff going on with the police then where they were trying, they're like gentrification is huge, trying to be able to get houses to get on the market to make a whole lot of money and the police mm-hmm. officers are kind of playing a role in this. So we watched from our apartment building just these houses of residents that were in their, you know, 70s with their families that had lived there forever getting busted for drugs or, you know, like whatever the police would pretend was the mm-hmm. reason and then instead getting fined for like, oh, you have too many people living here or the building's not. So people were ending up getting evicted out of their house. It was like such dirty dealings. <sighs> we saw a SWAT team go in the house across the street from us where these old people lived. In the middle of the night, we heard scary noises. We looked, a SWAT team with smoke bombs. What this is, this is dangerous. I, is this world? I came downstairs. Uh, I heard doorbell ring. Oh, another true story. Uh, so I hear this doorbell ring, and uh, it's a couple police, and they have their guns drawn. <gasps> guns drawn. And they see me walking down the stairs, and they uh, put their finger to the lips like, shh, like don't say anything. Oh, my God. And I'm like coming down to the stairs, and I walk over and open the door. I go, yes, officers. And they said, hi, uh, we're just checking. Everything all right? And then they start doing these finger gestures to me like, like, uh, like you don't else. have to. And, of course, I have no idea what these oh. gestures mean. <laughs> like you don't have to say anything if you can't talk right now. And, and I'm just going like, well, I'm fine. I'm fine, officers. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And I was a male and female officer, and she's looking at me like giving me the female intuitive look, very much like you're giving me right now. And and they leave. I go back upstairs. Um, I think I'm watching like House Hunters or something like that. And suddenly I hear my back doors open, bum, bum. And I hear male footsteps coming into my house. And I'm thinking, what the shit? What is going on? I run down the stairs again. Now I'm terrified. I'm, I'm trying to be very quiet. I look in, and it is a whole group of firefighters with, like, what? hoses in full firefighter oh drag with the masks and the tank and everything. They're That's the rat party. <laughs> <laughs> They're walking in my back door. And, and I'm going, what is it, guys? What's going on? He says, we have a report that you got a fire here, like a big one. And I <laughs> I go like, no fire here. But, you know, the police were here just a second ago. And then suddenly, like, these paramedics are pulling up in front of the house. I'm going, what happened? And what happened was is uh, the alarm company was testing an alarm, not our – but they put the wrong address down. And so they sent out, like, three alarm fire, hostage situation, car wreck. Everything to my house. Oh wow! And it was, and they, it was actually for some building that was supposed to be downtown, and they put in the wrong, oh, pushed the wrong button. Oops. My gosh! If they had done that to me, I would be sure that I was a hostage. Like just seeing police <laughs> yeah. like that, I'd be like, oh my gosh, it is happening! It's happening! Yeah, he's in here. Like it's a good way to start people. a relationship. I mean, you could do it that way. Of course. Ooh, terrifying.
Well, I'm glad you're okay. I'm, I'm glad okay. Thank there you. was no like up. big fire. No big fire. No, no, no. We're okay. <laughs> Did you uh, just not to change subjects because this will, is going to be abrupt? Because huh? um, yeah. <laughs> I think we need to at least address this. Last okay. night was the Golden Globes. Yeah, the did Go you, Globes. Did you watch the Globes? No, I didn't watch the Golden Globes. I, I was watching. I don't want to change the subject. You go ahead with the Golden Globes. Uh, I did no change. What, the subject. what did you watch? I I watched uh, Island Hunters instead. This was <laughs> what is that? Well, have you heard of House Hunters? Yeah, uh, I'm a fan. And House Hunters International. Yeah. Okay, so this is a new show where people are wanting to buy an island for themselves. Now, so just a Nicholas whole Cage island. And- <laughs> Nicholas Cage. <laughs> they, were, they were going to really? buy. No, he. They're not going to have Nicholas Cage on this show. They, they, so they he, had to, he had to sell an island a couple of years ago. Yes. So these people were looking to buy, and the, his island was one of the islands they were going to buy. But I'm thinking, like, who wants to buy an island? You, you know, that I, show. How many episodes can you squeeze out of that show? Of like, well, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a very limited series. But I, I just want it. This is like Earth, Earth to Nick Cage, and <laughs> to all you people out there, one island. It's like. The, most of the technology the last 200 years, the purpose of it has been to separate us from nature. Yeah. I mean, that's why we have a- antibiotics. That's why we have sunglasses. That's why I have this nice vest on now. <laughs> nature is not – bug spray. Uh, <laughs> nature is not necessarily our friend. And when you have one of these islands – and Nick Cage's island had no buildings on it, no electricity, no nothing. You know what they call that when it's got nothing on it? Hell. For, Hell. <laughs> they call it Waxahachie, Texas. No. They call it a Virgin Island. So I thought, yeah. well, that's maybe where they got the name Virgin Islands because oh, yeah. it was like hell. It was like nothing. <laughs> you got nothing, man. You got berry, berry, dysentery. You got bad water. You got sand fleas. Bugs for bugs, days. Bugs for days. But the man. plus side is you have so much of it. <laughs> You know? And there's just water all the coastline everywhere you look. Everywhere you look. Hurricane. <laughs> That's what I do. You know, you have that last channel button. So what I do is I have uh, on, on the TV remote. So I have House Hunters International, and I have that toggled with the weather channel. Oh. So when somebody buys a house in Honduras, I go like, have they Check been swept away by the hurricane yet? Let's see. Oh, they're still there. Okay. I don't have time to wait for their follow-up special to show me how they're doing. I don't have time for follow-ups. Although I love to watch shows like where there's an outcome, like Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares or you know any of those shows where they're going in with a mission and then they're going to redo it and house redoing. But after that, I always go on Google and Yelp for like street maps and Yelp reviews because because I have to know, but usually by the second commercial break, I'm like, oh, it's not going to work out well. Like we're going to feel like it does, but they're going under. They're going. The food went downhill. Well, well, Restaurant Impossible. Oh yes, Restaurant Impossible just like uh, took on a restaurant that I go to. <gasps> really here? Like, yeah. Uh-oh. So I'm going like, uh oh. So I'm going like, uh, and uh, my son felt like it was it was uh, it was a good thing. <laughs> it was like an intervention. You know, it was a good thing, and we wish them all well. Uh, but, you know, they used to give you the outcome of yeah. Restaurant Impossible, but I guess the survival list was so bad that now you have to go onto the website and look it, yeah. it up. You have to find it. It's too and their much track work. record is not super good. Too much work, yeah. 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 So, oh well. Yeah. Here's to you, Robert Irvine. I still think you're a great guy. <laughs> Great guy. Great guy. So strong. So strong. What a fitness routine. Woof. I've looked that up. His fitness routine, it's intense, but it makes him happy, so it's worth it. <laughs> I always love it on those shows when, like, 
they have this like this escalated timetable where they're like, all right, we got to turn this around, and like you've got. We need a new roof. You, yeah, you've got, literally, you've got hours. twelve hours yeah. to put in, like completely gut it, put in brand new furniture, paint it, do all this stuff. Meanwhile, like, we'll be cooking in the fog outside. Yeah, <laughs> put in state of the art, you know, kitchen stuff too, like all this stuff like that. And then, and then they come in like, I don't know about this. And the designer's like, Well, come on, you give me like twelve hours. Like, is there a reason why this timetable has to be that escalated? This is not live television. This is twenty four. It's not told in real time. How about let's just you could say that we. Did this all in 24 hours. But let's let's do let's take a week Can or we two have to do a it. Little time. Let's make it good. Let's actually get, get the permits. Let's get it cleared with like all the different health sick departments. Of just sponge and, painting everything. Exactly. <laughs> We've taken some trash from the highway and framed it and put it on the wall, and it's kind of a you know it's, it's modern. It just reminds me of that scene. in do you remember that movie Gung Ho, that Ron Howard movie? Yes. We're like they're they're about to get the inspection on all the cars, so they're literally just like they don't have enough, so they're just like scrambling to put these cars up that are basically like frames with like no engines in them and all sorts of stuff and then like the guy knocks on it and just falls apart and i was like that's what these restaurants are like right now they get it and i'm sure they walk outside and then the things fall off the wall (laughs) furniture comes apart because not screwed together yeah hey oh wait i want to talk about a funny thing Uh oh Um, okay are you talking about this uh, terminator thing yeah you might have more of the details written down than i do but basically a news piece a fluff news piece okay, okay. that happened in Massachusetts at Everett High School. Yep. Um, this guy was the new principal, Eric, Eric Nauman, and he thought it would be a fun way to introduce himself to the school by at an assembly making a video where he's the nominator and he uses footage from the Terminator and like there's just like this video thing. And what is is he here to help us or destroy us? Is that the one? Basically, it's like it's, it's as if he's doing a spoof of Terminator Two and Terminator whatever. But so he's it's walking like, through the high school with his glasses on and now. We might get fired. No. They're all very <laughs> upset about it. Education like, majors are not famous for having a sense of humor. None whatsoever. There's I interviews mean, with um, parents and teachers that are like, no, no, it wasn't funny. There were empty classrooms in that video. Where were the students? Like, <laughs> like as if this was going to happen? Well, it, it, if, if nothing else, it shows that the guy had way too much time on his hand. Yeah. I mean, we all know how long it takes to make a small movie. Right? Right. Forever. Editing, even an iMovie. Shouldn't, tell been you. Do, yeah. shouldn't he been doing something else with his time? It's just so sad to me that this guy who's probably like, I'm going to be the cool principal that the yeah. kids are going to love and actually like confide in and go to and, and respect at the same time because I'm cool. Like, no, no, it just backfires no. you whenever you're going to bring fire, a yeah. stuffy bureaucrat. And, is. I mean, as an adult, like, looking at it, it's not the best decision to make. No, it's, it's, a, it's a silly decision to make. But it's sad to think that he'll lose his job for it. And they show the video on the news piece, and yeah. it's really funny. I mean, it's kind of sad, but they keep... Is, is it kind of pathetic video? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it gives a chance for the newscaster to go, funny. like, will like, he, he be terminated for his Terminator thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what the real question is. When will we know if he gets canned? Wow, it's being Just reviewed. Just check Yelp, apparently. I guess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Nauman, Massachusetts. Well, my best wishes to him. High School Impossible. Oh, yeah. yeah. Get, get Robert Irvine in there. <laughs> now, we need to turn this place that around. Would be, that would be a show. We need they, MDF. They completely change the curriculum of the school, but they've got 12 hours to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm teaching crocheting now. I don't know. <laughs> no, you're uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Teach it. Go. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, I used to work in the cafeteria. <laughs> nope. Advanced Auto Mechanics. We're getting this room. That'd be a show. Oh, yeah. I'd watch it. I would too. Anything with an outcome, makeovers, any any type of makeover, I'm into I, it. I like the makeover shows. 
Okay, you brought up fluff news piece. You guys have your finger on the pulse. Whatever happened to the guy in Lexington, Kentucky? You went into the to the uh, store what, what, with the one million dollar bill. I don't remember know. Remember, he I went in I with remember the, John's on he tried it. to use it. Well, yeah, but but he was brilliant because he he bought a vacuum cleaner and some other stuff like four hundred, five hundred dollars worth of stuff. And uh, gave him the one change. million dollar bill. He wanted change, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I thought that was kind of brilliant. And they nabbed him. And I never really heard what the what the outcome of that trial. Oh was. Oh my gosh, John's looking it up. Did Do you, you have hear it? About I just saw. I didn't really see this full. But some guy won the lottery he, like recently, like this last mm-hmm. couple of weeks, and then his wife poisoned him. Oh yeah, oh, he no. died from that. Yeah. And like, ah, it's so crazy. how transparent? And like, can't she yeah. wait a few weeks? You know what I mean? Like, really take he your just time. Won. <laughs> oh, she was man. eager and ready with what that this was. Relationship was doomed, and the lottery is doomed. The lottery changed my life. That's a show, and it almost always changes it for the worse. What? What? Do, are you, do you play the lottery? No, no, I don't. But yeah, that, that's like, a common thing of people that are like win the lottery and then can't handle it because it. Oh right, yeah. You know yeah, they went sure. great. Well, it reminds me of um, Queen of Versailles, which we already talked about a little on the last podcast. That have you seen that documentary? No, it's great. It's on Netflix. It's just about this guy that is um, a Siegel, Peter Siegel, maybe David Siegel, who owned the largest um, timeshare in the world, like, you know, tons of resorts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they started making the the documentary when he was at basically the peak of his career and they were trying to build the largest house in America and it was like a replica of Versailles. Oh. And then during the filming, the economy and banks bottom fell out and you watched... It's just horrible. What a great show. It's a great... That's exciting. <laughs> it's, it's such like a good documentary. It's like the Tower of Babel, isn't it? Yep. It's like, you know, you just bit off a little more than you Learn can Learn a chew. lesson. Try to go up to heaven. It ain't going to work. Yep. There it <laughs> is, folks. crashing down. Did you, did you find out what happened to him? He still hasn't found an attorney. <laughs> still They're found. really letting him He has a million time. dollar bill. You can't find a lawyer? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Somebody's going to want it. That. I should that. be so lucky. Look, look at his picture, though. I could imagine anything right now. That's it. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. Hey, hello. Okay. Let him, have, let him have the vacuum cleaner and go home. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I would not stir the pot. No, That's let's all. leave that story alone. He's got I enough going on. Well, that guy, just, I, that guy looks Toby like money Hooper to me. Toby Hooper presents my trip to Walmart. <laughs> In 3D. I was not expecting I mean, that. first of all, if you wanted to pull that off, you should have gone in with top hat, tails, uh, monocle, you know. Vesa, <laughs> calm it down. That was oh, like, wow. that was like something from like House of Wax where they beat up Vincent Price's face <laughs> and the mask falls off and it's worse underneath. It's pretty scary. Unfortunately, you guys can't see this through the radio. Oh, you can find it on the internet. I All right, can't look up. Just, just uh, Google man arrested for trying to spend $1 million at Walmart or as they said, Walmart because they didn't put the L in the headline. Uh, it's in North Carolina. Michael Anthony Fuller is his name. Wow, He's fifty-three years old. You may want somehow to he got to there. Bless you, may, him. you may want to erase that from this broadcast. <laughs> yeah. You know what he sort of looks like. This might make sense. Whenever uh, a demon or a vampire on Buffy the Vampire Slayer shows their actual demon face, oh, really yeah. quickly, like it's kind of. I just had such a clear picture when you were telling the story yes. of like what I imagined the man with the million dollar bills to look like. 
Well, George Clooney is going to play him in the movie. Yeah, obviously. Because it's never realistic. <laughs> sort of like and one thing I'll say really quickly yeah. at the Golden Globes last night. Uh, Tony Mendez is there, which is the, oh, yeah. the guy that, that, yeah, from Argo that Ben Affleck played in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like the, the, the living case of like actual and Hollywood version when you see well, him compared to Ben it's Affleck. It's so funny because everything else in the movie, they do those side-by-side comparisons at the end with yeah. the real people. And they went, they strive so hard for realist. Like everyone looks so much like the person they were portraying. And then you get to Tony Mendez. And Ben Ben was just like, you know what? I'm directing this and I have a certain standard I need to follow. <laughs> that was a good movie. It was a great movie. Oh, and it goodness. cleaned up at the Globes, too. It got Best Drama and Ben won Best Director, which is hilarious since neither, like he didn't get nominated for Best Director for an Oscar. And he won the Golden Globe. That happened, what, to Spielberg with Jaws, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaws was oh, really? nominated for Best Movie, but they overlooked him for Best Director. And we all thought that was insane because oh that movie was so brilliant directed i mean how do you say a movie about a fish is the best movie of the year and you're not going to nominate the director especially who was able to make a malfunctioning robotic shark believable on screen because that thing was a nightmare yeah so you from the cast and crew you're lucky if you got it to work one or two takes yeah would just sink to the bottom of universal studios yes yes constantly yeah i i had a uh a sort of a universal story I don't mean universal in terms that we're all going to get it. We relate. But I mean Universal Studios. <laughs> yeah, it's not a Warner Brothers story. It's, it's, so it's, it's an universal, LA story. It's a Universal story. I was doing uh, the show uh, Sneakers, mm-hmm. which had like the greatest cast in the I, world. That is it's, one of both of our favorite movies. We love it. So, yeah. so you know, you got Robert um, Robert Redford, James Earl Jones, uh, River Phoenix, Dan Aykroyd, Ben Kingsley. I mean, great cast. So Sydney anyway, Poitier. we were called to the set. And Robert Redford and James Earl Jones were across the road from where the stage was over at Universal. It's a Universal story. And (laughs) what do they have at Universal? They have the big tour buses. And these buses go up and down the back lots where one of the big attractions is the shark. Bruce, I think they call Mm -hmm. him. Bruce. Bruce the shark from Jaws. And then they also show the bicycle from E.T. and the Columbo's car and the jacket. Well, these guys who do the tour have their rap. They they have their speeches down, just like we rehearsed this yeah. entire podcast right. for days. We ran it we five or it six all times. Down. We had it all down. But, <laughs> well, oiled so machine. They, they, they had the whole speech down. And Robert Redford and James Earl Jones are crossing the street to come to the set, and the tour bus has to stop. So – Robert Redford and James Earl Jones can cross in front of the bus. Meanwhile, the guy is still doing his rap on the megaphone on the on the bus saying, to the right is Bruce, the, the shark from Jaws. On the left is the little bicycle from E.T. And the people are looking to the right and snapping their little brains out with the throwaway cameras that, that were yeah. popular. And then they're looking to the left. Meanwhile, at that the most popular movie star in oh, the world, Robert Redford. James Earl Jones, Darth Vader himself, crossing in front and nobody notices them. Oh, nobody my gosh. notices them or takes a picture of them. And I think that there is a metaphor in there somewhere, but I don't know what it is. You'll get there. Just Something to do with the else Golden can Globes. Crack it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that movie is one of my favorites, and Me I know when too. it first came out, I got kind of mixed reviews or whatever. Like critics weren't as kind to it as they should have been. Ooh, uh, but it angry. really, I, I loved when I, I saw it. Like when it opened, and yeah. loved it, loved it, loved it, and I've. It was my first VHS tape I ever got, and I watched it over and over again. And and it's and I'll tell you something that's really unique. And I think it's their anniversary. One of their anniversaries, twenty year anniversary or something. Oh, wow. Seems about right. Yeah. Uh, 
it is a techno film, you know, a film uh, like a heist kind of film mm-hmm. kind of thing where the element is the techno element. And even though they use cradle modems in, in the movie, it is not outdated. Yep. I mean, you can watch that film and you're still on the edge of your seat. Even though the technology is the center of the movie and it's so old, you're still on the edge of your seat. So, uh, you know. Yeah, it's weird because it doesn't, it does not feel dated because there's a lot of those like techno thrillers, cyber thrillers that came out like a couple net, years later, even, but like, yeah, yeah, early 90s, like The Net, Johnny Mnemonic, yeah. uh, Hackers, yeah. right, right, right. stuff like that, like that you watch and it was just the start of that sort of part of the internet and it just feels so, not just that technology, but everything in that movie feels really of the era. Because the cast is so good and it is like a heist movie. Like there's not, it's not, it's all dependent on the stuff, but you feel like everyone's really intelligent. So they're not leaning on like the technology is going to figure this out right, for them. Right, They're leaning on a brilliant team when, And it also people. feels like, it, it feels sort of a timeless like look and feel to the movie. Like it doesn't feel yeah. of its era like a lot yeah. of those other t- cyber techno thrillers do that feel super 90s in a way that's like so crazy 90s. This one just feels like, it almost feels like guys an old, are it feels like an old Hollywood yeah, yeah, yeah. movie because yeah. it's got less all-star cast and you know a lot of yeah. heavy hitters, but it just it's totally holds up. And it's it's just a shame that Phil Alden Robinson hasn't done more movies because I think he's brilliant. He's, he's brilliant. He yep. he's just a great writer. He's a great director. I saw Phil fairly recently, and I said, "How is Sneakers? Why was it so good?" And he said, "Stephen, it took me nine years to write." Huh. And I said, "Well, usually in art, you know, you think it long, you think it wrong." And he said, no, no, no. In this case, you know, I had a chance to go through the different ways that movies use to cheat the viewer. And I said, let's not cheat anybody. Let's, mm. let's, let's, let's make it all fastballs down the middle and see if we can do a thriller where we do not cheat the audience. And I don't think they do. And I think that's wow. one reason it holds up so well. Just a brilliant script. Of course, he also wrote Field of Dreams. Yep. Oh. Hello. Yeah. And, uh, Directed, I guess, some of all some fears. Some of all fears, yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah, it's just he's just kind of disappeared, which is sad because I think he's just so good. Maybe it's been another nine year work period and we're about to see something. But, but, or, 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 you know, this is Hollywood where, where you could spend a lot of time working on other people's films, working as a consultant, working as a producer, writing scripts that don't get picked up or don't get sold, or a deal goes into turnaround. I mean, you could. You could be working here forever and not do anything. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, especially sure. when you're in a job that doesn't put you in the limelight much. Because actors have the same thing of how much more don't you get than do you get. But right. it's just more visible when Well, the Bionic Dog movie is a perfect example. Never happened. That's right. <laughs> Never happened for me. So close. Nah. What, do you think, what do you think killed you on that? I'll tell you what I think killed me. I think that they got a – when it comes to character actors, okay, we all know who – who the lead guys are. You know, they're the people who, in fact, right now it's a whole other trend because the leading actors also happen to be the producers of the film, like mm-hmm. George Clooney or, or Brad Pitt. They will find a project for themselves. Uh, ben Affleck yeah. will find a project and make the project for themselves. You know, they, that is the new trend. But with character actors, a lot of times it's who's relevant. Right. What is relevant now? And I ended up getting noosed out of the Bionic Dog movie by a guy who was a very handsome bad guy. He was just a very handsome bad guy in um, a film that 
did moderately well at that time. Mm-hmm. I, I, not like like a Julian Sands, you know, like yeah. an English guy, maybe you know, one of those guys. Like a that's polished, bad, polished, handsome right. British accent. It could have been Julian Sands. Even I should ask Julian. I saw him. <laughs> I saw him not long ago. And hey, I got a bone to pick with you, buddy. <laughs> hey, I got a, you got the bionic dog movie. <laughs> Boy, that was that was tough, man. That was tough. <laughs> that hurt. That hurt. Well, in I mean, in your over two hundred credits, you've worked with a wide variety of actors, writers, directors, and I. Of all those legends you've worked with, of course, I have to bring up uh, Steven Seagal. <laughs> you do <laughs> uh, only because hold, he amuses me. Water time. Hold for spit takes. <laughs> Steven Seagal. The only reason I bring this up because I mean he's like a parody of himself in a lot of ways. But like he like early on like you know did his series of action movies in the early nineties, which was when I was like fourteen or whatever, yeah. and those were cool in a sense. But like even when we were watching the them, we we're like these are really dumb. But you know they're sort of like intimately watchable in, in their weirdness. But um, and he was the only one who needed SNL. Like got really pissed off when he hosted because the Hans and Franz sketch they wrote about him were them talking about what like a girly man he was or whatever because that's the whole characters and he got really pissed off and he's like I, I could kick these guys' ass I could kick these guys' butts and he's like you know it's a comedy sketch right like, there, there's no doubt that you could beat up Hans and Franz um, so to me like he's this really funny like icon character of himself and you did the glimmer man yes uh i worked on the glimmer man one of the first days uh, john gray directed the glimmer man and uh john gray is also a wonderful director dear man i first met john gray in a uh yogurt shop right after mississippi burning and he came up to me and it was this young director guy called looked something like you at the time you know young idealistic Full Fresh. of dreams. Breathtaking. So much Breathtaking. potential. Uh, and a little like Julian Sands. And, <laughs> and he says, I just want to tell you, I loved you in Mississippi Burning. I'm a director. I'd love to work with you sometime. And we ended up working on this TV movie called The Marla Hansen Story in Portland. We shot it in, you know, we shot that in Portland. I thought, end of story. Then I get this call. John is doing Glimmer Man, wants me to audition for it. So I auditioned and got the role, which I won't go into that story of how <laughs> arduous that was, of the role of the serial killer, uh, one of the serial killers in the Glimmer Man. And so I'm there working, shooting like one of the first days where I hold a priest hostage in a church and Steven Seagal shoots me, basically. Very dramatic scene. And so John came into my trailer before we were going to rehearse. He says, we got a problem. Houston, you know, we got a problem. Steven doesn't want to kill you now. Uh, Steven Skull doesn't want to kill you now. I said, well, that's kind of the whole point of the scene. He says, I know, I know. Whatever you do, don't get into a conversation with him. So anyway. <laughs> what a warning. <laughs> they call me into the set. Steven is there uh, saying, uh, you know, uh, I've been thinking about this scene, and I think it just puts a lot of evil into the world, you know, to have me killing people like this. And Warner Brothers, and, you know, basically Warner Brothers says, Stephen Bubala, baby, you've been hired to kill people. Now is (laughs) not the, because you do it real well, now is not the time to have this spiritual change in your life. Now is the time just to go through and do this. And, uh, And Stephen said, 
to me, he says, I, I think, you know, maybe it's just wrong to, <laughs> to be killing people in this movie. Warner Brothers, John Gray is standing behind Stephen, like going like doing don't shut talk, up don't, signs. Don't shut up, shut up. <laughs> and, I, and I said, Stephen, you know, there's another way to look at this scene. And John Gray is going, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm saying, Stephen, you know, as a serial killer, you have to understand I am in hell. I am in hell in my life. I, 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 my soul is torn to pieces doing what I am doing, damaging the world and damaging other people. It would help my reincarnational growth if, if, you, would, if you would just finish me off. I mean, it helps the world. It helps me to reheal and reform as a new human being to come back to the world and 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 do this. Every so, executive has their fingers crossed. To do this, <laughs> yeah. So they're all crossing their fingers. And Stephen said, "Like that sounds good. Let's let's go with that." So we do the scene. Stephen shoots me. I get a phone call from John Gray three months later. Said. We we have a problem. We have to fix in looping. Uh, a couple of months after we shot your scene, Stephen ad-libbed in one of the takes we did in a, in a car saying, thank God I didn't kill that guy in the church. Uh, so can you come in to loop and let's see if we could fix that scene to where it looks like he doesn't kill you in the church. So I'm like, they show me the scene and Stephen shoots me in my entire... <laughs> Chest explodes. <laughs> I mean, the exit wound was not. I mean, the, the exit wound was me. I mean, it was like. I mean, you take a look at this. There's nothing but like a head falling off a torso. It was worse than drive. I mean, with the girl w- brushing her hair, it's like gone. Just a flesh wound. Just a flesh wound. It's like the Black Knight of Monty Python. And so, uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans was standing in there with me. And uh, John said, could you say something like, uh, and then I fall out of frame. Like, not only am I exploded, you don't see my head. I fall out of frame, and then Steven Seagal is standing over me with a smoking gun, and I'm supposed to say something out of frame like, I that height so bad. <laughs> I mean, wh- what are you possibly going to say? You know, I ended up saying something like, finish me, you, <laughs> finish me, you son of a bitch. Finish, finish me. <laughs> and and Keenan Ivory Wayans left the room and says, man, now we are in the realm of high comedy. <laughs> that is a great tip for divas anywhere. Just like add something in towards the end of a movie that totally changes everything that happened before. I'm glad I'm not really seeing dead people. Okay. <laughs> Okay, that's a choice, and we respect that choice. <laughs> now we rewrite. <laughs> We're going to do a lot oh of ADR. God. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that is so funny. Oh, Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal, man. Um, well, oh, I, I'm sure the thing you get recognized for most is Groundhog Day. Probably. Um, I'm sure people walk up to you and go, Ned, Ned Ryerson. I get, I get number one on the list is probably Ned. Uh, what I get a lot now is Stu from yeah. Californication, like, and that's usually guys with beards and girls with tattoos. Yep. <laughs> you got to get some Sandys too in there. I get Sandy yeah. Ryerson from Glee, and I'll tell you, the one that made me feel the best, I was doing a Law & Order in New York. I was standing on the street waiting for the car to pick me up, and a guy drove by and yelled out the window, My God, you're the guy who tells the stories. Oh! 
Isn't nice. that nice? That's Isn't amazing. That? So there was a fan of the podcast. I love it. And that was one of the best. Well, you have so many stories to choose from because you've had so like such a crazy varied career. Crazy. How oh, you- and by the way, we were in the same movie. Oh, yeah. You guys are no degrees. I, we didn't share any screen time together. It was like the second <laughs> film I ever did. I haven't done a lot. But then I had like two lines in it. Uh, it was this little indie film up in the Bay Area called Around the Fire. Oh, God, yes. And Cole said, thank God he didn't kill me. Yeah. I was like, finish me. Finish me, you son of a whore. Finish me. I played Doc in that movie. Yeah, I, I, I am... Uh, did they finish the movie? They did, yeah. It, it actually turned out pretty all right. It was Devin Sawa and Tara Reid and Aaron, Eric Mabius are like the main stars in it. It's about a kid who follows the Grateful Dead around. Uh, and I'm just like one of the students at his boarding school who walks in on them when they're smoking out and he gets pissed off at me. So that was my, my scene. And they premiered it up in like some Napa Valley Film Fest and got to see it and see how they spelled my name wrong in the end credits. No, come on. That's always fun. But uh, you were really hard I, st- I still get like Just my kidding. you know $3 royalty checks from that one every yeah. once in a while. I don't get any. <laughs> and they may have stopped. <laughs> oh, now I'm getting jealous. Um, but yeah, yeah. So we were technically um, What I remember degree. most about that film, beside the fact I didn't have a trailer, was that I, they, I was up in San Francisco shooting and they had some sort of weird explosion in San <gasps> Francisco and the power went out in the hotel I was in and the entire like quadrant. It's like, you know, when you see those science fiction movies and a quadrant of the city goes out, like I think a bus hit a light pole or something and caused like a big electrical explosion, but like a whole qu- chunk of the city lost its power completely. I was in my hotel room when it happened. And let me tell you, life is completely different in a hotel when there is no power at all. Oh my gosh. Because it's just a cage. It's, it, it's <laughs> yeah, pitch it black. Is. You can't see in the... They didn't have any electrical emergency oh, lights in the so hallway. Scary. You can't find where the stairs are. You can't find people anything. People eat people fast. People begin to eat people quickly. <laughs> nope. yep. Well, it was San Francisco. <laughs> anything can happen. <laughs> yeah. It's lawless when the lights go out. It's sort of like Deadwood. Speaking yes. of Deadwood. Yeah. Oh, oh, what good a one. transition. It's yeah. good, right? Yeah. It's that like was, I do this 105 was, times. Yeah. Uh, Dead was one of my all-time favorite shows because it's show. like perfect. It's so good. Great and show. Unfortunately, didn't resolve in a way that would have been satisfactory because they just basically pulled the plug on it. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those shows that anybody who likes it loves it. There's no, there's no in between at all no on between. that show. No. Yes. <laughs> and if you don't like it, you usually you really, haven't seen really, it. Either, well, or you just really hate it because it just oh didn't bad words. Like, well, because it's like it's like iambic pentameter with cocksucker thrown in all. Yes. Yeah. You yes, know what I yes, mean? Exactly. Like so, if you can't hand with that, it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you know a lot of the fans were into how arcane it was they would record the episodes and then re-listen to it several times to try to figure out what the plot was but uh, it was the amount of thought you know i've been on shows where there is no thought put into it and then there is Deadwood on the other end of the spectrum where so much thought is put into it uh, david milch had a book of of the evolution of the city, the, the town, the township of what Deadwood would be for all the writers, like uh, the Bible of, of how it was going to grow wow. when stores were going to start getting flower pots. Oh, my you, gosh. You know, uh, when, when they would put in the first uh, swing in the – like they had places for horses to – 
for you to tie your horses and when we're going to put up the new post to tie the horse. And then they put up a swing for children at one area of the town. Wow. And then they're going to sell vegetables at this show at this, because it was the idea of this place that was completely uncivilized becoming part of civilization. Uh, if you have not seen it, if you can tolerate cocksucker in iambic pentameter. <laughs> and if you're listening to our podcast, I think you can. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you should get the DVDs and watch. It is extraordinarily beautiful to watch. The acting is phenomenal in it, and the story is so compelling. And it's everybody a- in it now is are like people you'll recognize yep. because sure. they've all gone on to work on tons of other so stuff. So much stuff, yeah. Oh, they- come on. I mean, really, like Tim Oliphant, you know, uh, Ian McShane. Yeah. Uh, Brian Cox, Powers Booth, my goodness. Yeah, Robin Wiegert, who's absolutely amazing in it. Um, it's it's such a good show. John Hawks, John of course. John Hawks, yeah. so who is good. so good in the, the sessions. sessions. Yeah, which oh is my one gosh. of my like, probably my favorite movie this year. I just saw it this week, and I can't believe how good it is. John Hawks is always good. He's yep. always such he can a- do anything too. Well, he can't do anything. He didn't do the Bionic Dog. Oh movie. yeah, <laughs> Julian. Julian. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> within you know within, within reason, reason. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like that's the show that you've worked on that was the most thorough in terms of like imagining the world yes i i think there are a few times as an actor very few certainly in television where your breath is taken away as an actor and i had three times on that show where i was almost brought to tears by the beauty of where I was, I felt like I was there. I had time traveled. One one moment, I'll just tell you one moment, was at the end of season two, I just signed, I say I, that's my character, uh, Hugo Jari, uh, Tim Oliphant and Swearingen, the three of us, we signed state, statehood that uh, Deadwood is going to be part of South Dakota, something like that. We, we signed these papers up in Swearingen Saloon. And the shot was a tracking shot of me coming down in this giant hat and this fur cape. And I'm coming down the stairway into Swearingen Saloon, which was lined with torches. And outside there was a wedding going on, and they had three fiddlers in the street playing over the waves. Ba da 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 And all the whores in the saloon <laughs> were dancing with one another in the saloon and out on the street. And in the dirt road, the, the women were dancing with one another. And I'm walking out, I'm going like... It is so beautiful. And, oh and every this – is, this is how specific that set was. Uh, there was a show in which uh, Mac, Gerald McRaney, is shot at with a shotgun in his hotel room, and there's a hole blown in the wall. In the hole in the wall is the kind of stuffing that is in between the two sections of a wall, the outer and inner wall. And in that stuffing was filled with newspaper – and the newspapers were copies of newspapers that were printed oh in like 1867 or what. And you pull them out and it's like 1867 newspaper jammed in the wall. Like no one would ever see it. The, the bottles of whiskey, the glasses, nothing was like from Costco. That's got to be so exciting for an art director and for archivists to actually get to do their thing and be in an environment where it's not just supported, it's expected of you. I think the, yeah, the people amazing. that were not happy about it were the money people at yeah. HBO. 
Yeah. They I'm were sure not happy. They saw the budget, budget for the, <laughs> the, the wall stuffing. Yes. Uh, wall stuffing. <laughs> you spent a thousand hours of research on wall stuffing. And you're going to love that like, you're not going to get any nerd rage either. You're not going to get like those emails from somebody who's obsessive and has that time to be like, um, I freeze framed this. <laughs> nope. It's, it's, it's vintage. It's. I love hearing about that because you can feel it too. I mean, I didn't know any of those details, but watching the show, you just, there's those shows you can feel the, like the dedication to everything and it's all just so beautiful it's we we never had our clothes washed i mean we never had our clothes washed <laughs> Whoa. because david milch wanted the stains to match week to week oh my to week. gosh and let me tell you started we, to smell like deadwood in there let me tell you Ooh. baby no. it was, didn't start this it was serious and i remember i had one scene with tim oliphant and we had rehearsed it on being taken to the jail and Tim's taking me to jail and uh, David Milch felt that the street looked empty so he put a gigantic yoked bull in front of us with a big ring in his nose and the farmer is pulling him along to make the street more popular. Populated? Populated? Not popular. Populative. Populative. Just it's the street with the ox on it. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the street, street with the ox. Who wouldn't want to be there? It's the big street. It's ox street. <laughs> anyway, so Tim and I are doing the scene, and the ox lifts his tail, and he takes a gigantic dump oh, on my legs. No. Tim and I are still doing the scene. I am squishing when I'm walking now. It's <laughs> they yell, cut. Tim starts laughing like crazy. I am covered with bull gradue. And, and I go, David, the bull's shit on me. And David goes, yes, David Milch. He goes, yes, it was perfect. And he did it almost as if I'm cue. You cannot buy something like that. It's a print. And I'm heading for my trailer. He says, Stephen, we're not washing those pants. Oh, no. Those stains have got to be consistent. And they never wash those pants. Are and you I had, serious? Serious. Had dry bullshit. <laughs> On my legs for the next season because they want. You're like everybody else in Hollywood, kid. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's amazing! Wow. All right, well, we got to do first. Okay. Point. I have to pee for two. Really? Yeah. All right, go for it. Is Uh, she peeing for two now? She is peeing for two. Oh wow! She's got a little one on the way. One in the oven. That's right, as they say. Well, I'll preface the first question then, and by the time she gets back, she'll know what it is. We do this every podcast. It's a different first from life. We're 105 episodes in, so they're getting a little more creative. Uh, I love your Stephen Tobolowsky's birthday party, which gave me the idea for this question. Okay. Uh, what was the first surprise party that was ever thrown for you? Were you surprised? Or if you've never had one thrown for you, have you ever thrown one for somebody else? Uh, the first answer I come up with is I don't think I've ever had a surprise party, but I threw one for my on my mother, not for my mother, on my mother. <laughs> I was in fourth grade, and I invited all the friends from my class home after school that day for a party. And I never told mom. And mom picked me up from school and said, how was school today? I said, fine, we have to get home because everyone in my class is coming over. We're having a party. And she goes, you know, of course, every every hair in her head goes straight out. What? So we had 30 kids coming over to the house, un, unprepared for. Mom ran to the store, threw hot dogs in water. We made pin the tail on the donkey. We had like 
a two-hour party there improvised, mom running around cr- like crazy. And at the end of it, I'm thinking, like, see, so what's the big deal with that? You know, 30 kids over here? No problem. That was the surprise party I threw. I'm not a huge believer in surprise parties. I, I think parties require a great deal of preparation. I agree with you there. It's also hard nowadays, especially to pull anything off like that because everybody's so connected through social media and other stuff like that too. You just know it's going to get leaked out or something like that. To be able to successfully pull it off on somebody now is so difficult. On Um, the the set of Californication last season, I was shooting on my birthday. And the sons of bitches, they found out about it, that it was my uh birthday. And so... We're shooting this scene. I'm, I'm shooting a big scene in there. And uh, the director came over and said, Stephen, uh, we, have, we have a problem. We've we got to reshoot that take again. I'm doing a scene with Dave. And, you know, we're all there in the bar shooting this scene. And I'm doing this scene with Evan Handler, who plays uh, Charlie Runkle. And while I'm doing the scene, this woman walks up who's a waitress and puts – a vibrating dildo uh, on the table in front of me said, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Beggs, this fell out of your pocket. And it's right in the middle of the scene. I was trying to get with her. I'm like, huh, huh? And then everybody, all the extras, the cameraman, everybody yells surprise. I've been had, they wheel out a gigantic cake, uh, which I couldn't eat. Uh, Why not? Know, it wasn't heart healthy. Oh. oh, it wasn't a heart healthy cake. But uh, <laughs> I was, I was so had, so gotten by the by the dildo. Well, <laughs> the dildo, and also you know, just the, the Californication people are the best. How the sweet is How that? How sweet oh, is that? That's awesome. I love that everyone was in on it too. Everybody was in on it, but me. The dildo wasn't oh. in on it though. No, <laughs> dildo was surprised. The dildo was like, I'm finally got a scene, guys. <laughs> hey, <front laughs> I've been center. sending my picture in for years. <laughs> oh. How about you, Vanessa? Did you have a first surprise party? I think uh, I was very boring person <laughs> kid i had my 18th birthday was kind of a surprise party um which could sound exciting but i was in high school it was my senior year and it was just like i came over to my house after we were doing some play i don't remember what it was and it was i think it was a show night and everybody was being kind of weird like we were we usually went out to like a restaurant after shows and nobody could go and then i came and everybody came back to my house um so it was a sweet surprise party that my friends put together for me. But it was like, you know, my mom had cookies there. We all ended up in, like, dress-up clothes, playing the piano and singing show tunes. Like, that was my crazy surprise party. Well, it sounds like something from Extras, yeah. you know. Yeah. Ricky Gervais. It's it's so, so wild. Party. Yeah. I, think I had one thrown for me once in college, I want to say. And it wasn't, like, that crazy or spectacular. It was, like, at my apartment, um, and my roommates threw it for me. And like, and then a bunch of my friends were there, and I came home from work or something like that. So it was surprising just because, like, I never expected that to happen. Well, it's always just moving that somebody wants you to experience the surprise. Because it's all about, like, giving you the gift of being shocked at, like, that you're liked in that moment. So it's sweet. To it's have like to once you've had one thrown for you, you're like, right, I'm good. Like, <laughs> It's, it's cool. I don't need to be surprised. I, I would take that Californication one. That's that a good was, one. That, was a, that, was that a one's good, pretty great. The, <laughs> the thing that's always kind of detestable is when they tie surprise in with something naughty sexually, like whether it's the vibrating dildo or whether it's the cop who's a stripper. Yeah. Right. And they end up gyrating in front of you and you go Have like, you had a stripper cop? I did one. <gasps> 
for you or did you order it for someone? No, no, no. You I would, would never. not order a stripper cop. And it wasn't <laughs> for my birthday. It was Somebody for, pressed the wrong alarm button. <laughs> I was doing another I was doing a movie in Palm Springs and they did the stripper cop for one of the producers. And he was in a chair and then the cop came in and said it was a lady cop and a guy cop. And they said like we heard you're shooting here. Uh, you don't have permits to be doing this. Uh, we're going to have to oh. close down. And then the producer got, wait, wait, we have permits. I know we do. You sit down, sir. Sir, sit down, please. Ba-da-da. And then the male cop turns <laughs> on the ba-ba-da-da. And then she starts taking off. I'm going like, oh, no, no. This is uncomfortable <laughs> for everyone. It's so uncomfortable. And it turned out it wasn't his birthday. And she was really a policeman. <laughs> <laughs> so we were all surprised. Okay. It was really awkward. Cops really again. Strange. Again the cops. Hell yeah. Right, we're going to do my questions. Ooh, uh, I'm going to give you uh, five questions that are just trivia about some of your own projects. Oh, no. I think okay. you're going to be great at it. Okay. Uh, question one. You played Dr. Werner Brandis in Phil Alden Robbins' terrific caper comedy sneakers. Uh, what was the vocal phrase that Mary McDonald and her crew were trying to get on tape from you? Uh, I know it. it is... Uh, my voice is my passport. Verify me. Indeed, it is. Yeah. Hello. We got it. No, we have it on tape. And I, we just need you to say, hi, my name is Werner Brandis, and then we can break <laughs> yeah. into it. Hi, my name is Werner Brandis. But it's more like this. Hi, my name is yeah. Werner Brandis. Verify me. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. So good. So good. Retina scan. Retina scan. <laughs> uh, question two. You played the captain of the guard in Mel Brooks's Spaceballs. Uh, who did your guards regrettably capture in a memorable scene in the film? Uh, they, they captured the stunt doubles. Indeed. Yeah, they captured the stunt doubles. Uh, I, uh, Mel Brooks told me that that role was originally cast with Frank Langella and that Frank Langella could not or did not or would not, didn't do the part. So he ended up coming to see a play I was in with Bill Pullman, who was in that movie. Right. And then I got cast in the movie from from doing the play. When I was on Broadway, I was nominated for a Tony Award, which is code for did not win, (laughs) uh, against Frank Langella, who did win. And I remember we were at a Tony party, and I said, you know, Frank, you are responsible for me getting one of my first jobs. Uh, You know, when you didn't do Captain of the Guard in Spaceballs, I got that part and I got to work with Mel Brooks. And he says, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I never was going to do Spaceballs. That's a complete lie. And and it was was an awkward moment. (laughs) It was awkward. Is that my phone? It's soothing. It's soothing. It's very nice. I'm fine. It's with very that. nice. Are we okay with that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that movie. That I remember when Spaceballs came out. Like I was, I don't know, like ten ish or somewhere mm-hmm. in there, and uh, I wanted to see it so bad that I I offered to use my allowance to take the whole family oh, to see come it. Come on, yep. Who's the cutest? That is so sweet. That Indeed. Is... I think they took me up on it. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but I, uh, I thought that movie was so great. Um, all right, question three. Yep. You played Sandy Ryerson on the breakout Fox hit Glee. Sandy was the former director of the Glee Club, which called itself what? The Glee Club? <laughs> Close. She gives clues. Was That's, that good? It's a pretty terrible clue. Well, I remember vocal, <laughs> vocal Adrenaline was who we were always competing always against. Always against Vocal Adrenaline. What, what were we called? We You're called... all live in a nation. That's a bad... Queer nation? Jackson clue. <laughs> uh, Rhythm nation. 
Rhythm Explosion. Rhythm Explosion is what we were called? Evidently. <laughs> wow. There is a Glee wiki that has all of that information wow. on Wow. Yep. No, I didn't know. I don't think I ever said that, but you're, I mean, you're right. I remember hearing it now. You know, actors, if we don't say the line, oh, yeah, yeah. or if it's sure. not in a scene that we're in. It's not really it's important. It's not really there. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and that show has become such a sensation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's stuff, I don't think it's the sensation it was, but it's, you know, it's calmed down. Here's some trivia but. for you. You know where the word role comes from, an actor who gets a role. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Shakespeare's time, you never got a whole script. They gave you just your part, and it was tied onto a <gasps> stick, and you would roll it up and stick it in your back bre- breeches, in your breeches, in your, in your breeches, in your breeches, <laughs> and backstage you would pull it out and look at your, your roll. Oh, how good is that? Yeah, there's a little a trivia. Shakespeare wiki right here. There we are. <laughs> well, thank you, the Bard, for that. Uh, all right, question four. You played Mr. Bates in the Disney 2003 remake of Freaky Friday. Yes. The roles played by Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan were originally played by whom in the 76 original? Oh, was uh, that wasn't Haley Mills, was it? It was no. not. No, no. Oh, no, Jodie Foster. Yep. That's one. Yep. Jodie Foster and, oh, God, she was so good, too. Uh, and it wasn't. Uh, 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 um, I believe she was it's in. It's a kind of tweed. What? The last name? No. I don't know about I'm that. I'm doing horrible. It she was wasn't in a thousand it w- clowns. It, w- it wasn't Maureen O'Hara, was it? Was it? No, not. she's so good. Gosh, from the Abbey Players. No, no. no. Who, uh, who was Barbara Harris? Barbara Harris. Oh, God. So good. Yeah. And, and doesn't she do the all the voice voices? Casting? Voice yep. ca- voices now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so good. So so good. And I love both of those Freaky Fridays. Yeah, I really do. I watched the original Freaky Friday so many times. It was like my grandpa would tape things on. They got the Disney Channel and we didn't. And they would fill up VHSs with stuff that was appropriate for us. And we had Freaky Friday and like Apple Dunk, Dumpling Gang. And I would watch those two movies. Oh, constantly. yeah. So good. It's Ooh. been a while since we've had body switching movies. Like that was a oh. big thing in the 80s. They'll like, be with, back. Like Father Like Son and vice versa. And then Freaky that was Friday, just so for guys who again. wanted to screw teenagers. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the a guy tried and true formula of where you know you're a 30 year old guy and you go into the body of your 16 year old son so you could screw his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole point of it. <laughs> I, mean, I guess we had 17 again, so I guess yeah. it was a semi. And 13 one. going on 30 is not really a body swap, but it's the same idea. And 18 again. With it's George all Burns. very irritating. I yeah. find all the time body swapping movies incredibly. But irritating. don't you think it's just inherently true? <laughs> it is in California. All right, question five. Um, you played Barry's dad in Disney's The Country Bears. Oh, yes. Based on the attraction at Disneyland. How many other feature films can you name that are based on Disney rides or attractions? Well, of Hard course, one. there's Pirates of the Caribbean. Which came first, the movie or the ride? Uh, the ride was way <laughs> before the movie. That. I didn't know that, and I keep hoping that other people will not know no, that. That came no. out on some podcast where I, I think my mind was blown. I was like, are you serious? Well, I just can't believe anyone would ever base a movie on a ride. Well, they did. I mean, I'm, I'm still on my it, side. I'm still on my side. <laughs> There's three more, technically. Wind in the Willows, uh, Mr. Toad's Wild, Wild Ride. Yep. Um, well, now, of course, we have Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> that was the A ticket. The, the Lincoln, for, for those people who re, are old enough to remember, Disney used to have A, B, C, and D. Ticket D, rides, right? E ticket. E ticket. Now, E ticket was all the good stuff. The Matterhorn, Pirates of the Caribbean, that was E ticket. That meant you were going to go up and down somewhere. 
e-tickets now no longer exist at Disneyland. And when we think of e-tickets, we think of getting on an airplane. Yeah. So it's something lost to the annals of time. Oh. Okay. We, we, we don't have let's, – let's get back to the films. We have Mr. Toad Wild Ride. We have Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, are hard. We have Country Bears. Uh, Matterhorn. Oh, was I don't want to get on my elevator. Oh, it's a, no a small world wasn't one. No, no. but that's a terrible clue, Vanessa. <laughs> um, I'll give you a hint. And Eddie Murphy was in it, and it kind of t- tower heist. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's funny because there's another one that sort of uh, the haunted mansion. Haunted mansion. Oh, that's right. Now, haunted mansion was a great attraction. That yep. was an e-ticket as well. I still, think. still great. And they actually change it seasonally to tie in with Nightmare Before Christmas. So they like Tim Burton it during that time mm-hmm. for two months, and then they change it back. What's the number five? Teacups, uh, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. That's a movie. It it's is, yeah. though it's based on the books and things. I guess you could say that from the Wells too. Yeah. But uh, so I'll give you the other two, uh, and they're really kind of obscure. I would have never uh, Tower of Terror, which had Steve Gutenberg and Kirsten Dunst at it oh, for the Disney on. Channel. Yep. <laughs> and uh, Mission to Mars. Which, is that a ride? At it was. Yeah, it used to be in, used to be in Tomorrowland. It's gone. It was next to Space Mountain. It was in Tomorrowland, and that Here had today, gone Tomorrowland. That had Tim Robbins and Don Cheadle in it, and Brian De Palma directed it. And it was a big bomb. Um, oh, I remember that. Yep, but that was based mm. on a Disney thing too. Wow. Well, you learn something new every day. Now it's right. time for my question. Very different. Okay. okay. Have you ever met an Olsen twin? Yes, I have. Oh my God. I have because uh, I don't know if I should mention this, but my son. Uh, goes to a school uh, in which uh, one of the twins... The moguls. Younger... Oh, the other. Another one. Another one was there who was in Marla, Martha... Oh, Marla. I, or Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, th- that that yeah. girl who's in that movie. Yeah. And so I met uh, one of the Olsen twins when she was in a show at the school. Well, she's surprisingly small. Uh no, or were you she prepared? was surprisingly big. Really? Considering, oh, the Olsen twin was, yeah. was small. Yeah. But, but uh, the, the other, other one's a normal size. Normal to, person, to scale. Normal yeah. Person. She's built to scale. The other <laughs> ones are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not, not this one to five ratio. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. So this is a game called Merry Murder, Make Sweet Love. And you have to, there's three people, and you'll pick one thing that you would do to, like, you have to give one to each Mary, other. Mary, murder, or. Make sweet love. Okay. Um, Judge Judy. Susie Orman and Nancy Grace. Damn, is it just my age that you give me these people? Let's see. Uh, <laughs> man, uh, okay, so I have to pick one and one and one? Yeah. Okay, so I But judge. you could body switch with somebody. <laughs> yeah. And we could give you a 16 year old. Yeah, I'm thinking. So let's see. So we have Judge Judy, uh, Susie Orman, mm-hmm. who was the other? Nancy Grace. Nancy Grace, okay. Ooh. And we have murder. Mary, make sweet love. Okay. I think. Uh, Okay, there's so many I want to murder. <laughs> no, I didn't so think that was time. a problem when I made so this list. So little time. I, you know, I think, I think, you know, I have to, oh, man, I, I think I have to, I, I'm going to go off the beaten track okay. with this. I'm going to murder Susie Orman. Whoa, I didn't see that coming. I know you didn't see it coming. I'm going to make sweet love to Judge Judy because she is the minch in the whole group. <laughs> and with a woman you need. To be making love to a woman with a good sense of humor. <laughs> and Nancy Grace, I want her on my side. I'll marry her. <laughs> Whoa. You, know, you have signed uh, up was, for a lifestyle. <laughs> you know, uh, she's had some horrible things happen to her in her life. And I think maybe uh, 
with a little time with me. Oh, her I could tender give, care. A little tender care. I could give her more horrible things. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind She's of the basis so of any marriage. There you go. If you ever didn't have an opinion, you could just get one from her. I, you know, she, you, you know, and, uh, you, you know, in a way, the, wasn't there a movie out here, You Are What You Eat? There was a... A book? A book, yeah. You do become what you eat. You do become what you eat. And when what you have to serve up day in and day out Ooh. is sensational victim... Wretched. Wretched, victim-filled crimes, uh, children being abused, women being abused, it's it's a... You, you, become, you put the man in the closet. You put the man in the closet, baby. You yep. become hardened. You become horrified. You become angry. And, and you and see scared. the world a certain way. I was, I was doing a movie in Laguna Beach, and I walked. Uh, there was no restaurant at, at the little motel I was at, so I went down the street to Oleg's. Uh, Oleg was like a Russian guy who was running this like Seven Eleven, and there was nothing in this Seven Eleven but beer, coffee, like rows of coffee, <laughs> beer, and chips. And you could also buy lottery tickets. So I'm thinking, like, I haven't had breakfast. This is not heart healthy. So, so I'm going, like, okay, so I buy a bag of pretzels. Let me get some Funyuns. And let me get a Coors Light. <laughs> you know? And I'm going up to Oleg. And Oleg looks at me and goes, you're buying a lot of chips. And I'm saying, Oleg, that's all you have. <laughs> that's all you have here is chips. You know, if you walk out that door, there's a, if I had a car, I wouldn't be here. There's a big world out there where people get things other than chips. Things come from the ground. <laughs> Oleg thought that all Americans do is eat chips, drink coffee, and, and drink beer. That's what he thought because that was his world. And, and that's, that's what's what happened provided. to Nancy Grace. <laughs> and, and I could, She's the Oleg. Of- <laughs> and I could take her Grand on TV. a trip away from, oh, from all that violence. To the sweeter spots of the Laguna Beach. Beach. Yeah. Oh. But I'll be busy with Judge G. <laughs> yeah. Let me uh, call you in a while, honey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Please go to my chambers. <laughs> you may approach the bench. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's a fire. It looks like we got a hung jury. I could go on all day. Oh, gosh. You've been waiting for these. <laughs> um, would you rather okay. live in one year of total seclusion so you can't have any contact with humans or animals at all, or you could be someone famous's pet for an entire year, animal pet, and you get to choose the person and the animal? Oh, this is so easy. This one is so easy. Total seclusion. Oh! <gasps> Total seclusion. Really? I, I, I am not a people person. I'm, I'm, I am so happy when I'm all alone and all I need, all I can do is write. I am so happy and I just You've lock, got a good year ahead of I you. I just, yeah, I'm a lonely man. <laughs> Virgin <laughs> you know, Island. Just, Virgin Island. Nicholas Cage. I just, I just, I, I have so, I have so much trouble at parties and I have so much trouble, you, you know, it, with Groups of people and being, yeah. I've, I'm not a social butterfly, so that would be simple for me. Surprising. I thought you were going to go with Will Smith's Marmoset. <laughs> we both All called right. it, but okay. <laughs> yeah, the pool goes on, Cole. Right. Um, okay. Would you rather always eat cat food, but you can cook it how you like, but it does have to be store bought cat food. You can't be like, well, I feed my cat right, chicken right. breast. Um, or never have contact with a cat ever again. Oh, come on. That's too hard. I thought Real. that would be a good one. <laughs> For cat people, that's a tough choice. I know. Yeah, I think. I think. Okay, I would try cooking the cat food one day. <laughs> I'd give it one day to see if I could fricassee it. 
<laughs> and if not, the cats are gone. Oh. I would give it one day. I give it maybe a little saute, sweat a few onions. Yeah, I get think a little that Madeira if you wine. add enough thing to a can of cat food, it could be okay. Especially if it's like medley, you know, yeah. a f- fancy feast medley. Right. They've got a lot of great organic options out there right now. <laughs> What's for dinner tonight? Oh, tuna, ocean, whitefish, and mackerel feast? Again, awesome. <laughs> you know, they don't have as much cockroach in it as some of the others. <laughs> Okay, and this is your last question. If you could mash up one of your favorite characters you've portrayed yeah. with one of your favorite films of all time and make your character the star of it, who would it be? Like, Stu Beggs is Tootsie. Oh, wow. Do you know what I mean? Oh, wow. It's kind of a hard question. Uh, wow, that is a hard question. And it could be in any film. Yep. Yep. Any film ever. Uh, I would do, um, boy, any film of all time. I would do, and would it, could the film go back to its original form after I, I, I wouldn't permanently ruin it? No, if it's important to you, you wouldn't. Okay. <laughs> I would be, uh, I'll just, I'll stay with Stu Beggs mm-hmm. in the best years of our lives. Uh-huh. And I would have come back from the war with the longest schlong. <laughs> <of anything. laughs> but the integrity of the film is intact. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah, indeed. Such a good movie. Um, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Uh, Steven's got tons of cool appearances coming up, including yes. uh, one of the Tobolowski Files live at my festival, SF Sketchfest. Uh, that is on Sunday, January 27th, 8 o'clock p.m. at Yoshi's San Francisco. If you go to sfsketchfest.com, there are tickets available for that. Please come out to that. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to do uh, – uh, a really important story for me, and I think I'm even going to have time to do a brand new story that no one has heard. <gasps> Ooh. And, and, I'll, and I'll read a story from Dangerous Animals Club. Which is your book that people should like buy. Cause they, should, they should buy it they like buy immediately it. so you'll be prepared for Sketchfest. And also, everybody's got relatives, and relatives always have birthdays coming up. That's so right. buy several right. at once. It's sort of like Tom's Shoes. If you buy one book... We yeah. will donate that same book back to you. <laughs> um, sort of. I, I had a friend of mine who who bought the book and read it to be a friend, and he's just bought 50 <gasps> copies to give to all of his clients at work, he says, because it's the best damn book he ever oh read. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, he's he is putting himself out uh-huh. there. So I've sold 53 copies. Congrats. No, no, actually, the book's doing well. Uh, Simon & Schuster asked me to do another one. So that's, that's very amazing. good. That's good. But it's a very funny book. It's an amusing book, Dangerous Animals Club. You will enjoy it, I promise. Indeed. And it's an audio form, too, if you can't read. Oh, you, you thought of like everything. The, like the guy with the million-dollar bill. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it's, read by, it's read by Steven Seagal, so you should check it out. It's really good. It's uh, soothing and terrifying all at once. People, there's a couple other dates where people can catch you. Just rattle these off for you guys. February, the tour of love, I like That's to right. call it. Yeah. He's hitting the run in February. February 2nd, he'll be spending Groundhog Day in Seattle uh, with David Chen, who uh, co-produces your podcast with you. That's right, and I'm going to be doing some sort of Groundhog Day stories, Groundhog Day-related stories, and a Q&A with David Chen, and that's always fun. That's awesome. We actually thought about trying to do that at Sketchfest, doing Groundhog Day on Groundhog Day and showing it twice mm-hmm. in a row, but then it just it didn't come together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, 11th Looks of February, uh, you will be in Dallas at Texas Bound. 
Yeah, the, the, uh, the, they have three authors that are reading their stories, and I'm going to be reading my story, if you're familiar with it, FAQ or FAQ. I'll be reading that story. I'll be closing the evening with that story. So if you're in Dallas, Texas, uh, come on by. Hor- yeah, the Horchow Auditorium, which I believe is in the Art Museum. It's a awesome. big series they have there. Yeah. And once you jerks get over Valentine's Day, <laughs> uh, the 15th, 16th, and 17th, you'll be in New York. Uh, 15th and 17th, you'll be at Lemood. Uh, and then on the 16th, uh, the 92nd Street Y in Tribeca, uh, stories and one of your films and stuff. So. I'm going to be doing uh, a story, of a full big like podcast story, like a 45-minute story. I'll have a book signing there for anyone who wants Dangerous Animals Club. And I think I'm going to be introducing a film, either Sneakers uh, with Sneaker Stories or Groundhog Day and Groundhog's Day Stories. One That's of those awesome. two. Yeah. Maybe country bears. Maybe country <laughs> bears. If I can pull a few strings. <laughs> uh, and people uh, can – you have a, a, a website where people can go to get all that stuff yeah, too, right? Yeah, uh, there is. Uh, if you go to stephentoboloski.com, you just have to spell it right, which is S-T-E-P-H-E-N. T is in Tom, O, B is in boy, O-L-O-W-S-K-Y, the Russian spelling. Mm-hmm. I'll have all my dates there, and plus you can uh, order if you want a signed copy of Dangerous Animals Club. And uh, and you can get linked to the podcast there and everything. You can get linked yep. to the podcast and Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. Indeed, yeah. And uh, you are on Twitter. It's just at Tobolowski. At Tobolowski. Uh, you can follow us on there, too. I'm at Cole Stratton. I'm at Vanessa Ragland. The podcast is at PMC Podcast. Thanks for being here, Stephen. Oh, My pleasure. What a treat. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> Subscribe to the Pop My Culture Podcast on iTunes. Check us out online at popmyculturepodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at PMC Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>